This is episode number 264. What is the ultimate power of a single story? With Scott Mason. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our weekly conversation called Survive to Thrive, Live the Story You Create. What this is, is a series of conversations that take place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time that are hosted through LinkedIn or Facebook Live, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of appreciation, resilience, grief, gratitude, and many others. If you are interested in joining us for any of these upcoming conversations, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation and ways you can join it. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our mission by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Mr. Mason, long time no see. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that we're able to connect over this. This is... um, this is a topic that I've been trying to better understand for quite some time. And I think the the thing that I mentioned uh, prior to our starting is in regard to that concept of believing in the story. And the thing that I found fascinating throughout my, throughout my own experience is the number of times that I continue to believe in stories that don't necessarily serve me. Mm. And this happens probably on a daily basis, I, I, <laughs> if I'm being honest. There are so many stories because there's so many influences that come into play. For example, one of the things that you and I do is that we do a lot of outreach to external organizations or individuals to bring us in as, as speakers or yes. workshop facilitators. Yep. And part of that, you just you never know the type of response you're going to get, which influences the way that you view or perceive yourself yeah. and your story and, yeah. and what you're capable of. Um, sometimes people come back with questions about pricing. Yeah. Hey, I don't think this is the right one. This is what I would charge or this is what I can afford. Yeah. And so all of those things change the narrative or can change the narrative. And so I've been fascinating to really explore this topic like because I think it's – I don't know, in my opinion, and I'll be curious to hear yours on this, but I think it's equally as powerful as believing in the story that you want to create. Mm. Have you had a similar experience? I am actually curious as to what you mean by believing in the power of the story Mm -hmm. or what the power of that story can create or however you framed that a second ago. It got me sort of stumbling there as I was thinking. <laughs> and that's what you do. You make people think, and then we have to we have to do things like ask back exactly what you mean so I can make sure that I'm answering something that has anything to do with anything. Yeah. That's the power of my story. <laughs> well said. What I, what I was trying to say is that I think that the stories, for example, there I think there are two stories or maybe multiple sides of that story that one can choose to believe in. Mm-hmm. But really, I think for the sake of this discussion, let's just say that there are two angles. Mm-hmm. One is a story that you believe in that helps you achieve mm-hmm. the thing that you are wanting. And the other is a story that you may end up, you may end up believing that actually holds you back from mm-hmm. achieving that thing. Mm-hmm. So all of those stories that are based on limitations, like I was sharing earlier – 
you have one specific price for a speaking right. engagement person comes back to you and says, Hey, I don't think you're worth that. I think you're worth this. Right. And then you end up changing your own story right. around someone else's expectation or experience of, of their own. And so that's where I've been curious to explore, like, what are those stories that you encounter on a daily basis? And the other part of that question is, how do you even develop awareness around that? Mm -hmm. That this is a story that doesn't actually serve me moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because there are two components that I'm hearing to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. One is the overt story itself. How do you determine what that story looks like, what its narrative is, who the hero is, who the at who or what the adversity mm -hmm. is, and then where it ultimately leads in terms of outcome. But then there is also the matter of interpretation that we ourselves impose on our stories. And those two things, I do believe, should be separated for clarity's sake because the same story can have multiple interpretations. And even if you stay within a story that initially kept you from achieving your potential. If you interpret it differently, you can have power from it. I will use my own story that I've talked about extensively and my husband's reaction to it as an example of that dichotomy. I, from the time, as you've heard me say before, I was, I was a kid, grew up in an environment where intellectually a lot was not expected. And then particularly once I got to law school and was in government, and in a couple of other sectors that I worked afterwards, a theme that I kept hearing externally about me, Scott Mason, was that I had extreme intellectual limitations. Stupid was the word used multiple times. And so the story that I developed around that in reaction to the, hearing those things repeatedly was that, oh, everyone in the whole world can't be wrong. I'm not a genius. Okay, how do I deal with that? And then the, the narrative thread from that was that, well, I might not be the brightest guy in the world, but I am the most energetic. I am the hardest working. I am the most visionary. I am the one who brings my full self into everything that I have. And that I'm the one, I'm the one that can push harder and succeed despite being less than... Brilliant in my mind. I am living proof of the power of an ordinary human being. That's the story that I developed for myself. Now, that story could have been self-limiting. Scott, you will only achieve so much in your life because you just don't have the intellectual brain power or the intellectual wherewithal that many other people do. And so you compensate for these things and then still become something above and beyond what anyone would have ever expected of someone so mundane. That was my interpretation. And it actually has had a huge driving power due to the interpretation that I put in it. However... And it could have, by the way, had another, if I had interpreted it differently, another outcome. It could have been, Scott, you're too doggone stupid to do anything. So just go and, and dig some ditches somewhere and hope you can even do that well. Mm -hmm. I chose not to bring that interpretation into the room. However, within the past year or so, my husband sitting on a couch looking at me, said, Scott, I'm tired of that story. <laughs> that story needs to end. You need to let go of that story. You actually are a bright person. And it's time that you invented a new narrative for yourself around that. And his motivation really, and to some extent, I think that he felt that even in the framing that I had put around it, it was self-limiting. But a lot of it, I think, was he felt that there were other things that I was getting out of it. Maybe it was a way of working through things that were painful or avoiding analysis of the situations that I was in that may have triggered these this feedback that I've gotten over and over again. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, it, there could be a whole host of reasons that I can imagine. Maybe he didn't like the idea... <laughs> 
of me running around telling everyone uh, that, you know, someone that he permanently attached himself to, you know, had just slightly more brains than a dead rock. And so whatever his motivations were, they were a challenge to me to completely revisit that story and create a new narrative. And it was a challenge that I've chosen to undertake. It's a very, very difficult challenge for me, but it can ultimately lead in a similar direction because at the end of the day, what both of these stories have in common is an expansive view of my own capabilities and the possibilities in my future. The ultimate power of a single story, therefore, both was within the actual story, but also within the interpretation of either. And proof of that as a final matter is that in this new story that I actually am a bright guy and can achieve things because of my brightness, uh, not because of my lack thereof, or despite my lack thereof, is another possible interpretation that for everything that I haven't achieved in life, that my, it isn't because of my lack of intelligence, it's because I didn't apply myself, or because I didn't choose to walk down that path, or because I made mistakes, or because I did this or that, or because other circumstances conspired to prohibit that that intellect from being able to manifest itself in a certain way. So there is also different interpretations that can even be gleaned from a story that's more ostensibly positive. I just choose to always interpret it in the way that favors the maximally optimistic and positive outcome, as well as the greatest Mm -hmm. opportunity for a fulfilling future. What do you you, think hearing all of that? Well, before I respond, I'm just curious, how do you know who to listen to and who not to? Yeah, that's been a struggle. I grew up in an environment where, and I'm not alone in this, where the Mm -hmm. child was to listen. And sometimes I suspect that the feedback that I received, particularly early in my career, was around about my intellect was really motivated or at least potentially motivated by people not feeling comfortable with questioning that I had around the credibility of things that I was being told. Scott, you're too stupid. You don't understand. Mm -hmm. When really I did understand full well, I just didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And I chose to interpret the events as, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. That's why I'm not understanding what everyone else is seeing, as opposed to, wait a minute, there's a reason this does not make any sense, because it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so how do I know how to believe? I grew up in such a place of, I should, I, I know so little and have so little to offer intellectually, that I should be listening and taking in what everyone says, to now really attempting to move into a place of discernment. Do you actually have the expertise? Mm -hmm. Do you know more about medicine than a person who has spent 25 years of their life studying the exact same thing you know, you claim to know more about them about having looked on YouTube? Mm -hmm. Do you know, I had a business associate of mine whose background was in graphic design tell me they knew more about the law than I did, despite the fact that they had never gone to law school let alone actually pass the bar, mm-hmm. let alone actually even knew where to go look to find up the original law. So that's the sort of thing, developing a sense of discernment, understanding what our friend Josh Corporal said in one of these, Nancy John told you, conversations <laughs> could be transactional or transformative, and it shook you up. And Josh Corporal said to us, sometimes people don't know what the blank they're talking about, mm-hmm. but they still talk. That's true. Yeah. And understanding that and assessing, does this person actually know what the heck they're talking about? Half the time they don't, they're just spouting. Yeah. For me, there there are a couple of things that come to mind. First is I think in regard to your last point, it took me a while to develop that sense of awareness where, and I think there's partially confidence that is involved within that. Yeah. Being able to step into a conversation and say, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Or I, I truly don't have an opinion. I remember chapters of my life where 
I had a difficult time doing that because I felt that I don't know exactly as you described may would make you seem X, Y, and Z way, make you seem like you truly don't know the answer. You're not capable. You're all these other things, which created for however long this concept of a false narrative. And it created a story that I ultimately did end up believing because there's something to be said about the number of people that choose to essentially tell the same story. And then there's after a while, at least for me, I subscribe to that story because I couldn't see the possibility of a different story. If everyone around you is telling the same exact story, how can you ever create the possibility of a different one? Right. So that's where I think there is that there's that line that I had to draw in my own awareness. And that's coming into conversation and say, I don't have an opinion or I don't yeah. know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't even know how to speculate. And that's something that I've realized through even some of the conversations that I have now. But going back to your earlier point, I think there's also something powerful within that that you mentioned as far as being in that job and being given that narrative, so to speak, that you believe for however many years. Well, I had a similar narrative, uh, not necessarily job related, but more so in school. And that is in high school in particular, maybe the last year or so of middle school, I had a difficult time learning how to write well, because I was still learning. I came here in sixth grade. So I picked up with Mm -hmm. learning how to speak English, but Mm -hmm. I I was, it took me longer to understand how do you write well in this language because speaking and writing are two very different languages. And I remember oftentimes I would turn in papers and in return, I would get papers that were all just red ink, which is Mm. universal for, you know, you got to do it. You you have some, you have some areas to improve it. (laughs) And I, I remember after a while, that I started to take that narrative for what it was, Mm -hmm. that I'm not a good writer, Mm -hmm. that I can't formulate thoughts, Mm -hmm. that I can't put together a series of questions. And I kid you not, I lived that narrative for years, years upon years until I was very fortunate to come across a handful of people that encouraged me and that helped me see differently and that ultimately pushed me in a way that you are a good writer. You can ask deeper questions. You you can explore these things. So it's just fascinating how uh, sometimes out of the most, what appear to be random places, people come out of the woodwork and challenge that inner narrative that one chooses to believe in. And then all of a sudden it's just like, wow, there's a whole different story that I can actually structure on my life. And it really does go as to who we choose to be around. For instance, I yeah. choose to be around Jessica Dugas, and she chooses to be around us today. And that's always a, a sign of good things that are about to happen. I have to just step back for a minute. As someone yeah. who has followed your blogs and has read your writing many occasions. By the way, folks, if you're listening to this, watching it, or whatever you do, and follow me. Just follow Oleg's blogs and you will you'll be one of the people that thinks that there's a whole other story about the people who told him he needed to couldn't write. That's a whole new narrative that will be created. Because okay. your writing is excellent. It's astonishing to me that anyone would say that. I understand that there's a learning process that you had, but mm-hmm. you don't just go from where you're at now to from from a baseline of sub zero. I mean, that's just not the way the world works. So yeah. let's just let's just I, I have to say that. But but you're right. Who are you around, and what are the motives that they have for sharing these narratives about you? Mm-hmm. Now, so on the subject of narratives, I am, as many of you all know, biracial. There are whole narratives when you look like me around. Mm-hmm whether I'm black enough, whether I'm white, whether I really am white, whether I really am black, as well as loaded conversations and narratives that people may have about you that are racially related too. And one example of such a narrative that who and how we choose or we are around or who, 
what circumstances we're in and the individuals in their life and their impact relates to a high school teacher that I had who was the debate and forensics coach. And he opted to tell his class one day about me, Scott, you know, you can teach a monkey how to talk, but you can't teach it to think. And so he was creating a narrative around me that quite transparently was based on his own narrative around a racial group that he perceived me to be part of. Mm -hmm. And I think that thinking about these narratives too, and the stories, not only is it important for us to discern who we are around, but the, and the origins of what or what really might be motivating that on an individual basis, but what are the social bases of these narratives and what are the historical bases around these? Are these behaviors, are, are, are people thinking things about you because of your racial background? Are they making assumptions about you? I once had someone tell me that he knew I would spend my whole life in social services. That was where I truly belong. Now, I did happen to do social services later. It was not where I belong. It was really, it was really not. But the reason why he was saying this, it came up in a whole series of conversations around my sexual orientation. So I think that he perceived social services as this sort of caring, tender-hearted, female-oriented profession. And therefore, I, as a gay man, naturally wanted to fit in there, just as I had uh, and another co-worker of mine tell me, oh, you watched the Oscars last night, didn't you? I'm sure you loved all the gowns and the fashions. Can we talk about that? I didn't give a sh crap about the Oscars. I certainly don't care about ball gowns. I don't care about that crap. That ain't me. She decided her narrative was that she could bond with me and that I would be interested in ball gowns because I'm gay. She was wrong. But if I were someone that was not aware of the historical and social context within which stories can arise, I might have been a little bit less discerning and more susceptible to, oh, okay, I'm a gay guy. I guess that means I need to be interested in ball gowns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to hear about anyone's ball gowns <laughs> or the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, really don't. Just, oh, like, what do just you have to, to set say? the narrative clear. <laughs> well, I, I think for me, there's there is an interesting question within a question that I've also been curious about and kind of your story triggered it as well. And that is, why do some of us feel the need to pass on assumptions or expectations upon others? Is yeah. that a form of guidance? Is that somehow, does that somehow correlate with wanting to feel like you are of value to that individual's life? Is that how it's perceived? Or is there something else that's completely underneath it? Because like, I've, that's the one subject I've been trying to understand is that in, in a conversation, instead of saying me telling you, I don't know, Scott. I don't know what you should do for a living. I don't know what you should wear. I don't know what you should say. I feel that desire to tell you those things. You should go into social services. You should apply for this specific role. You should talk to this specific person. Yeah. So I've been trying to understand that. Is it is is it just because that is how some people perceive to be helpful of others? And trust me, like I do the same thing sometimes. Yeah, I do too. I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means, but I've been curious, why do I even do that in those situations? Yeah, and, and there is some complexity there. First of all, Jessica, I've got to say, I love your comment that you made at 12, 12 p.m. That was wonderful. Thank you for hearing that. And, and I have no doubt we're going to be touching on some of those things as the conversation proceeds. I, I think that there are mixed motives and attempting to understand the motives can be helpful. Although, of course, we have to always concede we can never truly understand what's in anyone's mind, even if they tell us what's in their mind. Sometimes that's not even true. Mm -hmm. But like sometimes I do that. It's because I see potential in the person and they may not be aware of it. Or I may see a theme in their conversations or in their dressing style, or I may see opportunities for them that they can't see. And I'm attempting to grapple with the fact that all of us have perceptions, including self-perceptions and opportunity perceptions that are radically limited by our own intellectual and perceptual constraints. 
other times it's because a person's narcissistic or it's, or it is their ego and at in action. I am interested in this, or I think this, that, and the other, and therefore you should be. And that's a way of controlling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is a way of framing the unknown in a way that you're comfortable with, or that is intellectually easy that you don't, that doesn't challenge any of your intellectual or emotional assumptions. Scott, you can't think because I, as a teacher, as an educator, don't believe as frightening as it is that African-Americans are capable of thought. Mm -hmm. And therefore I have to let everyone know, including Scott, I have to bring that out in the world that, that he's not, he can talk well, but he can't think because otherwise I have to do the hard intellectual work of reconciling my pre my pre-existing belief with what everyone is observing right in front of my face. And the, and then sometimes just because I have something I want to say, the woman I worked for the longest was an attorney who I found out people respected tremendously because she would be the one that if someone turned her and say, well, what's the legal analysis of this? Or what are the statutes say? She would simply say, she'd just shake her head and shrug. I don't know. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'll find out. And that taught me that it was acceptable as a leader to not always know. It's acceptable in a social interaction to say, I don't know. And I, it was a really great lesson and inspirational role that this woman played in my life because of that. And perhaps, for instance, rather than creating a story, that teacher could have said, I don't know. I, there's a problem I'm having. There's some sort of <laughs> cognitive dissonance going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do are your thoughts ever, here on all that? Do you ever feel responsible for someone else's false narrative or someone or someone else creating a story that did not serve them moving forward. I bet you're going to disagree with me about this, but I could be wrong because that's your story and not mine. Mm. I am a believer in radical Mm self-accountability. The words that I have can have a surprising impact on others and it can't, you don't know, who and what people are inside, what their vulnerabilities are, what they're dealing with. And so the words that you have can push them if they're trusting you, if they're respecting you, if you mean something to them in a direction that's painful. Now, yes, the counter response to that is, well, all of us are responsible for our own narratives and our own stories. Mm And I also believe it or not believe, accept that as a truth. But in the instant, there's processing time that needs to happen. There's baggage that needs to be dealt with. So I think the interplay is a little bit more complex than is commonly acknowledged, particularly in the self-improvement and self-help world. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're responsible, but not everyone can hear something and then immediately shift their entire perspective, right? (laughs) Similarly, if we are going to be radically self-accountable, then we have to accept that our words matter. I have failed many times in my own standard that I'm setting for myself around the words Mm -hmm. that I have used with others, particularly those that I've I've supervised, where I've been harsh or where I've been judgmental. I I like to think I've never actually told someone they're stupid or incapable or anything like that. If I have, God, I really, I, I, I apologize to anyone that I ever did that with, but even the messaging behind words that you say can impact someone in ways that are unexpected. Mm -hmm. And I've learned by having to deal with my own conscience over things that I've said where I really wished I could have said it differently or they've come back and said, Scott, this thing that you said flippantly, or you've said really affected me because blah, 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 blah. And they were hurt or they hated me or they really questioned themselves. They wanted to be away from me and disconnect. Similarly, if we're going to focus on the negative, if I tell you, Oleg, I don't, as you've told me, I'll speak more personally, that mm-hmm. you believe in me as a speaker and as a presence in the world and as someone who wants to do well. Your words, I can't, I don't believe that I should just say, well, I'm responsible for my own narrative. So what Oleg told me didn't matter. (laughs) Otherwise, why in the hell would you bother to tell me? Why would I bother to listen? Your words have pushed me 
your belief in me because I respect you. What I see in you inspires and 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 I and puts me in an aspirational place. So when you say those things, those words are going to have an impact on my story. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts after hearing all of that? By the way, I think for me, what what comes to mind is that, I, in my opinion, everything is kind of a feedback loop. So other people's stories, other people's perspectives, and the words that they use with themselves as well, as well as the words that they use with me can influence the story and the narrative that I have moving forward. What I have found interesting within my own journey is I think over the years, I have developed more of an obligation, so to speak, to commit to myself and, and to be able to share as much of this journey as possible with other people in the in the most honest way that I could. And then as part of that, I think there was a form of responsibility that developed as well, because I, I don't use the same words, for example, that I used to. I, I don't uh, react the same exact way that I used to with um, to people. And so I think part of that, there is an interesting thing that you've also touched upon. And that's at the end of the day, I think we do have an influence on each other. (laughs) The difference is who do you choose to listen to and to what degree and what do you choose to implement on and and build from? I think that's the big difference. And that I think goes back to choice, but the information, it's just, uh, it's very difficult to ignore. And it's and it's all around us. I mean, it's yeah. it's happening from things that are speaking English, and it's happening from things that don't speak our language. Yeah, our pets influence yeah. our narrative and yeah. how we go about life, or or they can. Yeah, um, bystanders, yeah. people that we go and just bump shoulders or don't even touch shoulders. Yeah, we could just see it solely through their actions of what is quote unquote acceptable way of living and what is not. Absolutely. So it's just fascinating to see those things and understand the power that influence other things carry external and internal and how that impacts that inner narrative. And ultimately what is that inner narrative that one chooses to create? Do you create an inner, inner narrative that doesn't actually serve you moving forward? Or do you create one that does help you move closer. And the other thing that I'll mention in regard to this is that I had, um, there were a couple of friendships within my life where I remember when I became aware of them, that they weren't serving me moving forward, nor was I serving them. Mm. And they were the hardest ones to let go of because of that trust. The trust was so great. We spent so many years fostering that relationship where it was very difficult to let go. Yeah. And there's still elements of me where I think I'm choosing to attach to those individuals because with trust comes comfort and with comfort comes security. And I think if anything, what, how I want to feel is I want to feel secure. (laughs) I want to feel secure in my own body. I want to feel secure around the people that I'm surrounded with. So letting go of those individuals has been a very difficult, probably lifelong process. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, those are the stories that don't serve either party. I want to take a second and acknowledge the wonderful remark that David Pushkin put into Mm -hmm. the comments. Thank you so much. And David, it's good to see you. Very much appreciate you joining us. And love that you love the idea of radical accountability. Jessica, Mm -hmm. that's why we love you. Because you tell a story that we like to hear. Just kidding. (laughs) Oleg, let me ask you, with regards to your last set of remarks, if I may. Mm -hmm. Of course. Do you ever stop caring about those that exit out of your story? Um, That's a good question. So in my opinion... I don't know if it's possible to fully not care. I think if anything, that care evolves. So for example, if I have, if I go from talking to the individual on a daily to a weekly to a monthly basis to once a year or to when the opportunity comes, I think that uh, trust and some of these other components, I think they do vanish 
or they're no longer the same. Mm -hmm. But there are still moments where I know, for example, there are certain friendships that I have had to let go of throughout my life, five or maybe even 10 years ago, that I still think about. And I, I think partially why I think about them is because they are still teaching me lessons that I didn't fully learn in those situations. So it is that many years later, I'm able to reflect upon them and really take away the things that I think those people were subconsciously or not trying to pass on to me. So I, I, to answer your question, I think I do care still. Uh, the difference now is that because some of them are no longer presently in my life, it's um, I'm able to fill in that time and space that I shared with them with other people and other connections. Jessica, so go ahead. Thank you, Jessica. Had some great thoughts on this. Jessica, you ask yourself, if you're telling yourself a story, that you have to be at the same place as someone else in their journey in order to be in a relationship with them. And obviously, if something happens, that's different. And by that, I assume you mean as though there's a fight or a betrayal or something like that, which, yes. And and that is really what I was asking about, the former situation where you just sort of drift apart or where your journeys aren't in the same place. I don't know that I have framed it in terms of us being at the same place on our journey together in order for us to connect that way. Mm -hmm. I've tended to think the most dramatic, and I'm not saying by the way, that that's, that there's anything that I'm saying that's negating what Jessica says. I'm going to want to process and think about what she said, because that's Mm -hmm. a, a very interesting point. And it's worth not just having an instantaneous snap response to, but to reflect on at least to my mind. The most telling situations that I've been in, which have occurred during the pandemic, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that, with transitioned relationships, is more that I feel like either on their end or my end, the journeys that we are on are, if not outright diverging, Mm -hmm. are in conflict with each other. It's not such a conflict that we actually had a fight, but it's more an awareness. Maybe where this person is going in their career isn't a place that I want to be associated with. Maybe not for negative reasons too. It's just maybe something I'm not comfortable with. Maybe Oleg is about to become famous and I don't want to be around famous people because I really like anonymity. Or that person is about to get married and I know that once they get married, they won't have as much time for me. And so I need to, it conflicts with my needs in the relationship. So let's maybe move apart or a whole host of other things. Neither of those, by the way, were the situations in the relationships that I'm talking about, but they're conceivable types of reasons why the journey may actually come into conflict and then the relationship severs or the stories move in different directions without the two people being a part of each other's narrative. Mm -hmm. Do you try and end those relationships? Like, is that a conscious decision you make, you know, or, or because for me, I, I find it, I find it difficult to just let them go, so to speak. So I find myself sometimes in situations where I do, create some sort of ending so whether it's a form of conflict or whatever it is and that it's just been fascinating for me to observe as far as why do i do that and i've been curious how do other people do that yeah jessica david anyone else watching by the way i would love to hear that and jessica you put a clarifying message in there thank you for that What usually has happened in my case is I've literally woken up or maybe been on my walk or meditating or in the shower or whatever. And I realized this relationship needs to end. Mm -hmm. And it usually is cemented if the person of of any consequences by me having a conversation with my husband. And I would say usually like, I think it's time for me to move on beyond this relationship. And for me, for whatever reason, once I say that to him and 
he gives his feedback and his feedback always does matter to me. That's the, one of the people who are just, I might not always agree with it or follow it, but it, it's going to influence me. Otherwise we better not be married. And particularly around these interpersonal things where he knows the other person and he sees the impact of things in my life and, and has a deep investment in that. In those situations, then I've usually just let it go. In one case, I later found out that a friend of mine told me that it appeared to him he that me and a mutual friend of his that had that arrived said this time for me to let this relationship go. He said, oh, yeah, I got the impression that you had a mutual agreement that it was time to move on from this friendship. So clearly the other person was thinking more or less the same thing, although we didn't have a formal conversation. We just stopped getting together. We stopped texting. We stopped all of that sort of stuff. In other situations, thanks to you, Oleg, where I had felt uncomfortable with the lack of closure, I did reach out to the person mm -hmm. and thank them for the good things that they had done in my life and the good things that they had represented in my life. Mm -hmm. And in that, I just expressed the gratitude, but made no effort to say, let's get together sometime. No effort to say, let's catch up. Let's, I miss you. I didn't say any of that. I just expressed the gratitude. And that person texted me back and said, thank you. And I texted him and said, I just want to let you know. And he said, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And to me, that was the fact that he also didn't say, oh, let's get together and catch up. I miss you. He just said, thank you. We had, in my opinion, a, and I'm based on how I'm interpreting his response, uh, clarity that we wanted to end this chapter of our lives together on a positive note, but there was no desire to continue it. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. What about you? I, I've started doing a similar thing. I think going back to Jessica's remark, the most recent one, one of the things that actually a friend, um, friend of mine that I think many of us know, Nicole had encouraged me and that's being able to close the loop or close the cycle, so to speak. So in all of my relationships that feel unresolved, choose to reach out. Uh, this is for me. This is not for anyone else that I'm telling, but it was more so feedback for me. And that's choosing to resolve some of these unresolved ones mm -hmm. and, and send a message or um, call the person or contact them in one way or another. And I have learned that by doing that, there is something that kind of gets lifted off my chest through that action, I think that is that for me, maybe it's one of the forms of closure because if I did prior to it, when I didn't choose to take those actions and close that cycle, I would constantly be thinking about it. I would constantly be thinking about what could I have done differently? Yeah. Should I have said this? Should I not have done that? And I think for me that has led down maybe an unnecessary loop of shame, guilt, embarrassment, mm -hmm. all the other things, mm -hmm. when the reality of the matter is, as you had said earlier, and as Jessica had pointed out in her comments, sometimes things just happen the way that they're meant to happen. <laughs> Not every relationship, I don't believe, is meant to be for a lifetime. Yeah, I think there's a reason why relationships go through yeah. phases. But I think the important thing that I'm choosing to take away from this conversation and this topic for today, it's knowing when does the relationship no longer serve you or the, or vice versa? When do you no longer serve the relationship? Yeah. And then from there, what do you do? Yeah. How do you close the loop? And the other thing that I think it's also interesting is within that. And you mentioned this as far as wanting things to end on a positive note. Is that simply an, is that an aspiration of ours? Why, why do we strive for that as individuals? Mm-hmm. In my case, I do believe that if there is a possibility mm -hmm. that a relationship has ended with me having been a negative neg uh, contributor to its demise in a way that's negative, Mm -hmm. or in a way that is destructive or hurtful or that might leave the other person feeling like crap. Mm -hmm. it, uh, and Jessica, what a wonderful quote. Thank you, Oleg, so much for putting that up there. And Jessica, thank you for writing that pithy bit of wisdom down. It was wonderful. 
if it's up to me to correct it. Mm-hmm. I don't like being the agent of toxicity or ugliness or negativity in the universe. I just feel like life is too short to not try and add my own positive thing whenever I can. And relationships that are leaving or ending with bad feelings, if there's something I can do about it, that is adding value into the just to the universe, I would say, by by trying to bring a positive sense of closure into it or letting the last thing that the person remembers me by be, he sent me thank you. I still don't want to hang out with him. I still think he sucks, but he's a sucky guy <laughs> who at least appreciated everything that the relationship meant to me and bothered to take the time to let me know that. Do you think all events impact each other? For example, if you were to let their relationship end on a negative note, do you think that form of negativity negativity could impact the serious events that are bound to happen in the future? Absolutely. First of I all, the same thing. Yeah, we don't know who knows who. Mm-hmm. That person may know someone and be smack talking me, and I may want an opportunity from that person, and I don't even know who that person is. And so having left with negativity in a relationship puts me at greater risk of that sort of direct outcome happening. Also, the behavior patterns that we habituate to help us drive our behavior patterns in the future. And so to the extent that our behavior patterns going forward, irrespective of what happens during any one event, are helping to frame the world that we are creating for ourselves going forward, then failing to take opportunities to add something positive or to uh, not have these sorts of relationships appropriately heal or otherwise let something, a toxic stain sort of stay there without getting your Clorox and wiping it up. Mm-hmm. then put us, if for no other reason, than have it into a place where what we're creating through our story in the future has a negative pull. Mm-hmm. And you said you think so. I would love to hear your own thoughts. I believe that. I believe every event leads up to another. And I think if anything, what I've become more aware of is there are certain situations, for example, if a relationship at, ends in a way that I don't want it to, or if the person does something, I sometimes catch myself in those moments where even though I want to express everything that I'm feeling, all the emotions, the anger, the frustration and everything, I find myself in this space and I I don't get it right all the time, but I do get it right sometimes where I'm able to take a step back and ask myself, why would I want to do this? So if anything, I think there's that brief moment of awareness that somehow develops within me where prior to me either typing out the message or sending it in whatever form, I realize that my reaction is not only going to impact this particular event, but it may impact the events that I have moving forward. Mm -hmm. If I'm trying to manifest all of these other things in my future that I do believe are built on positive energy, then why would I, so to speak, decrease my chances by putting something else of opposing energy out there and never knowing how it's going to return? How is it going to impact me moving forward? Is it going to be that thing, that preventing thought that is going to be the forever wall, forever block until I confront it, so to speak? So that's that's where I'm at. Once again, I don't get it right every time. But I have become aware of that. It's just mm-hmm. why respond in that way? Because if anything, it's like, yes, it might solve this particular situation or it might, quote unquote, put an end to it. But you never know what that is going to be a beginning to. Totally. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, by the way. Mm-hmm. Radical accountability for our words and the fact that we never really, as I mentioned earlier, we never really know what's going on in someone else's head, even if they tell us. Sometimes it's not true. That's true. And so if we are putting that out there in someone, we don't know the impact that that might have because we don't know from our perspective, it may simply be that we're moving apart. 
Yeah. And that may be the practical impact in our lives of the change and the shift in the relationship. And in many cases, it may simply be exactly that. As Kenny says, it may just be that the relationship is fading away for neutral reasons, no and, ifs, or buts. And, and that's that. But it could be because the person is having some distress in their lives. Mm-hmm. Or it could be because there's been some upheaval or mm-hmm. personal transformation or they're in the hospital mm-hmm. and are, are not thinking straight or any or, or to have some sort of mental illness or challenge all of these sorts of things that could be impacting why the thing is shifting that again are beyond our abilities to imagine and if we are doing what you're suggesting that we not do which is end with toxicity or drama or anything like that again that could be something that pushes someone over the edge and were we to find out later once someone i was there was someone that i dated for a while when i was younger and he a friend of mine that we both that he didn't know that well but a, a friend of mine had killed herself now he and i had had a series of little back and forths but the relationship was still um existing and he saw me leaving this person's funeral and he decided to tease me about having a bad attitude and a grumpy face. Well, really, and, and that conversation did not go well for him. And the reason why was he was making an assumption about my feelings. Mm-hmm. I was just, ha- you know, that I was walking around with a grumpy face and a bad attitude being a jerk. Great no. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, fascinating to observe that, how someone else's life or what they might be going through may not be the ultimate story that they're living, but yet it's going to, it may impact your story Yeah, and how you perceive certain things. And David seems to agree too, by the way, based on the last remark that he put in. Thank yeah. you for that, David. Have you seen that movie, by the way? The no, but I've read the, no- the novella that it's based on. Yeah. Yeah, which is tremendous. Ray Bradbury. I mean, he's one of the great writers of the 20th century. It's a powerful story. Yeah. I mean, it, a huge, it, great it, metaphor. It 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 certainly is. And it for me, it makes me think about a lot of things within that. How it, it there's another movie that I watched, this was a couple months ago called The Adjustment Bureau. Uh Matt Damien and I don't remember who else, but it's essentially a similar concept where um, they break it down. They do this in this, to me, it's the most fascinating win in that film where they actually slow it down. They're, they slow down a couple scenes and they break it down as far as what would happen if the person chose to do, to take a different action. Mm-hmm. So instead of picking up that cup of coffee at five fifty-five, what if she were to spill it on herself and delay mm-hmm. her time of stepping onto the street mm-hmm. and then just happen to step or walk across the street when there was a taxi crossing the other way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. just so many things that happen. And that's where I think I, I first begin to realize and maybe reaffirm myself that maybe somehow, and I don't claim this to be a universal truth or anyone that any, anything anyone has to subscribe to. This is just what I personally believe in, but I do believe that every single one of the events somehow influenced the other, you know? like a, a comment through this or uh, Jessica, Kenny, David, and so many others choosing to show up and contribute. Obviously that's influencing the direction of our conversation. Yeah. That's influencing our own perception of what we understand and we don't understand. Yeah. And that's something that I appreciate about this space is every time people are able to come here and contribute uh, with what they believe they know. And that to me, it's important because it just allows me to see so much more that I didn't see before. And I hope that there is a mutuality there. Yeah. No, I, I'm the same way. Yeah. What are some ways that people can connect with you, Scott? I would love it if people reached out to me through my podcast homepage, mm-hmm. purposehighway.com. We just started a new season today. I published, I just publicized it on LinkedIn and we'll be publicizing it on Facebook and Instagram later today. We are excited about its theme, which is creating a movement for those that seek meaning. Mm-hmm. 
And if you are invested in purpose, ethics, spirituality, and how those things can impact us in a world that is increasingly changing and shifting in some new directions, your thoughts on the show and your listening to it or watching it would be beyond appreciated. Mm-hmm. Now tell us the same about you, Oleg. <laughs> so just to clarify, they are going to check out Purpose Highway, not Inglorious Bastards. Correct? <laughs> they can check out both. There's room for everybody. I don't want to put that sort of negativity out there in the world around Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> for me, it's obviously through the show, but most importantly, I just want to say uh, two things that I mentioned at the beginning, and that is if you've enjoyed these conversations and you feel like they have helped you somehow, um, please consider either leaving us a review for Facebook, LinkedIn, iTunes, wherever you can find us, or making a contribution through our website. And that would help us tremendously in just being able to continue creating much of the work that we do around this. And one other thing that I wanted to make as far as a quick announcement go is an event that actually Jessica will be putting together. I believe it's in December. Um, I have to look up the exact date so we can start um, to share that information with everyone that's listening here. But essentially, it is an event that she's putting together with a group of artists and musicians, and we will be one of the organizations um, that will be uh, December 4th, 2021. That is the date that will be a part of that experience. So just wanted to throw that out there for anyone that's interested and wants to know more details, go ahead to, I believe the URL is the breakthrough show, but maybe Jessica can also include that in the comments so we can post it. So just wanted to appreciate her for believing in us and supporting us and, um, Massive, massive thanks for that, Jessica. Yeah, it's amazing. And that is the URL right there. A musical evening of giving. Love it. So if you're interested, please go ahead and check it out. And we'll make sure to share it multiple other times. But outside of that, just want to thank you, Scott, for for not only being a part of this, but also being a part of what we're doing on a daily basis. Um, And just, if anything, your commitment. Your commitment to wanting to help others find probably similar things that both you and I are looking for. I won't lie. The honor is totally mine. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.